good to you. You know, a lot of humans, bless their hearts, they're confused in life. Bad things happen and they're mad at God. I'm telling you, if something bad happened, it what God didn't have anything to do with it. God is good and the devil is bad. And it's just that simple. Pastor, where's that in the Bible? John 10, 10. John 10, 10. If you had to nail me down, if you're only going to give me one scripture, I'm going to take John 10, 10. Out of the whole Bible. Was John 10, 10 says, said the thief comes, but he only comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. But I'm come that you might have life, the God kind and have it more abundantly. Come on. That verse will untangle your theology. It is really that simple. If it's good, it's God. And if it's bad, it's the devil or you. (laughs) Amen. I'd like to invite you to uh, open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. If you're new with us, uh, we are a word and spirit church. Uh, We believe in, and there's a reason that we say word first. We are the word of God, Bible people first. But we are a Holy Ghost people second. Christians are indwelt with the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit of God lives and abides on the inside of every true believer. And the Holy Spirit is alive. He is active. Uh, Really, this is the church age is also called by theologians the age of the Holy Ghost. Uh, We saw that the church really got kicked off in an upper room in Jerusalem. And there we remember that in Acts 2, 4, it says, And suddenly there came a sound as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And cloven tongues of fire, we sang about fire this morning, cloven tongues of fire were seen upon every head, and every one of those believers were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so that was the Holy Spirit's entrance. Amen. And from then you can see through the book of Acts what the Holy Spirit does. Notice it's, that book is called the Acts. The Acts. It's called in most Bibles the Acts of the Apostles. But I like to call it the Acts of the Holy Ghost through God's people. Because it's the Holy Spirit that is inspiring every true good teaching, sermon, miraculous work. Amen. So here at World Harvest Church... Uh, we believe in the Holy Spirit and His gifts. From a theological point of view, we believe in the Holy Spirit and His gifts. We do not believe that miracles have passed away. We do not believe that God no longer heals. We do not believe, right, uh, that, uh, you know, that the ministry gifts are not for us today. We don't believe any of that bunk and junk. And uh, praise God, we here at World Harvest Church have a mandate. I got a mandate from God years ago, pastoring this church. I, I, had, I had this happen to me three times. And if you attend our new members class, uh, and all you got to do is register, just fill out your, your blue card there and turn it in. And we'll, we'll have those seasonally. But um, uh, we talk about those three mandates on our church. Now, of course, every church that's a true candlestick in the hand of the Lord and If you're not familiar with that terminology, that comes from Revelation. Remember John, he had this vision of Jesus and and he he saw golden candlesticks. 
and, and the candles, the actual candlesticks in the hand of the Lord were the churches. Yeah. And so uh, when I say a candlestick, that we are a candlestick in the hand of the Lord, that means we're a, a real church. Uh, I'm not, it's not about bragging. I'm just saying this church was not man's idea. Some churches have been raised up because a man wanted to raise it up. And that's why they never go. That's why they never go. That's why they're overcome. It's because God didn't originate. He didn't author that work in the beginning anyway. And, uh, but, uh, you know, thank God most churches preaching a good message. God wants them there. He's behind them. The denominational ones too, you understand? I, I'm, I'm for the body of Christ, the whole body of Christ. And uh, uh, praise God. But, you know, we've got to embrace all that God has. Uh, anyway, I was talking about the mandates. But so every candlestick in the hand of the Lord ought to be doing some common things, right? Preaching the word, making disciples, evangelism, praying, worshiping, missions efforts, right? Don't matter what stripe or, or what, what kind of sign is on the outside of the building. If it's a church, they ought to be preaching the word, worshiping God, right? Making disciples, teaching and training, evangelizing, serving, you know, doing what we can to bless the world. Or you're not a church. But beyond that, there are things, there are mandates that God will put on men of God and specific ministries that make them different. And so when we talk about in our new members class, those three mandates, those are the specific things that God has birthed and stamped into my wife and I's hearts that we are beyond those basic foundational things, that these are things that we are to emphasize. The first one was to equip believers to receive their full inheritance and to walk out their divine call. This is an equipping ministry. Church is school. Church is an entertainment. You shouldn't be here to check off a little religious box, say you went to church. Amen. But church is school. It's, we're being trained up in the army of God to go out there, live a victorious life, Confront forces of darkness and bear fruit unto Jesus Christ. That's right. And so this is a refueling place. This is a place of restoration. Uh, you know, it's a lot of things, but it's an equipping place. Amen. Amen. Then secondly, he said, uh, it's a third thing he told me, but he said, son, lift the standard. That's a mandate on your ministry. Lift the standard. He didn't say the standard of this. I knew what he meant. You know, the standard of faith in churches is so low. The standard of integrity, the standard of honor, the standard of order, the standard of the message that is preached in many places is so watered down, people quickly figure out, I don't have to go to church to get this. I can watch Oprah and get this. I can watch Dr. Phil and get this. You know, I met a, a sweet guy, but one time he said, you know, I was uh, fellowshipping with him and, and I said, you know, you got, I, I understand you got a lot of people. You have got a lot of people. They were the fastest growing church in Paducah at that time. And he said, yeah, you know, we do. We, we do have a lot of people. But he said, you know, Pastor Chris, he said, uh, we've, we've observed something. And that is other than my, my staff and my core, core leaders, our congregation changes over every six months. It's completely different. Every six months. So they got to keep that dog and pony show going to attract, or they're dead in the water. And they are dead in the water. They don't exist today. Well, why is that? Well, the, the Lord helped me to know that the reason that was in that place was about six months into it, they realized they got all you've got to give. Right. They can get this self-help stuff 
in the world and they don't have to leave their living room. And not being critical, I'm just talking to you about reality out there. And so God told me to lift the standard. So I'm trying to help especially all of us to be reminded, but as new people are coming in, uh, we don't want you to be, oh, or alarmed, have shell shock. You know what I mean? Um, the ex, you know, we are going to, uh, in love, prod you towards spiritual maturity. Because it's hard out there. And the devil's real out there. And you've got real bill, bills, and there's real diseases, and there's, there's real problems, and there's real enemies out there that are warring against you every day. Amen? And we are last days people. We are last days saints. Amen? And you need to have your armor on. You need to have your shield massaged with oil, and you need to have a sharp two-edged sword. And know how to use the thing. You know, some people pick up a sword you want to get away from, and they don't know how to use that. I'd be one of them if you're talking about a natural sword. Amen. But you understand that. So we are, the mandate on our ministry is to, is to get you up higher. And to do that, you realize that uh, God's going to have to use me, somebody as your pastor, to, to poke you, prod you, not pet you. I don't know. I've always been this way. I came to church to change. I came to church to hear something that would help me change. Because when I gave my heart in that frat party, when I gave my life to God in that crisis moment of my life, I, I expected to change. I, I, my, my expectation was I'm going to live different. That's why I became a Christian. Not to stay the same. But I, I became a Christian to be a Christian. I mean, a real one. And I'm, I expected to live different. And so it didn't, it's never bothered me to sit under a strong message and to feel like, tush, tush. you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't appreciate being bullied and beat up by anybody that's angry in the pulpit. I don't like that. Nobody likes that. Paul said, speak the truth in love and they'll grow. Speak the truth in love and people will grow. But the third mandate on our ministry is actually the second one he gave me. Uh, and that is that we are to be a beacon of the supernatural for this region and the world. We aren't to be a beacon of the weird and strange. But we are to be a beacon of the power of God. Of the supernatural ability of God. Amen. Sadly, not every church is a shining light of the operation of the power of God. I tell you what, you know, uh, young people, they love the power of God. They're hungry for the power of God. They're, they're, they want some real stuff. I love preaching to the young people because they know if you're shucking and jiving them. You know, Dr. Jacobs, his testimony, my spiritual father, when he was 15, about 15 and a half, he told his mom, I'm not going back to church because he just said, it's dead, it's lifeless. I'm just not, there's nothing to it. But I tell you what, you get in a church where the power of God's in operation. Because the kids, they know they need the power of God out there. Hallelujah. And adults too, amen. Um, but uh, this is, I said all that to kind of say, this is, this is one of the reasons why we're teaching on what we're teaching, which is the gifts of the Spirit. That's kind of a long way to tell you that, wasn't it? But there's nuggets in there that'll help you along the way. And so we have been in a study on the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you what? 
ignorant. We know by now that means to be misinformed or uninformed. You know, to be ignorant, doesn't, it's not an attack on anyone's intellect or smarts or ability. It's just, if you don't know, you don't know. Amen. Uh, and some people, they just don't know. They have never been taught about the gifts of the Spirit. Some people have been misinformed. You know, when I, we were talking about the kids and their Bibles, if you buy a study Bible, you know, you need to be like me, like I follow Christ. You know, that's what Paul said. You know, uh, uh, he said, follow me like I follow Christ. When, when a new Bible comes out or something like that, especially a study Bible, if you're looking for a study Bible, I go to 1 Corinthians to judge the study Bible. I turn to places like 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'll read the commentary that they put in there next to the list on these gifts of the Spirit. And if they take the supernatural out of their definition of the gifts of the Spirit, I put that back on the shelf. Or if they say stupid things like, um, yeah, these things were there and they were, they were there for that day, but they've passed away with the last... I mean, you're just wasting your money. You're talking about a Bible? Listen, the text is inspired. The commentary is not. You understand that, right? Well, they have PhDs behind... Yeah, that stands for post hole digger. That's what that stands for, post hole digger. And a lot of people have paid a lot of money to become misinformed about spiritual things. Now, I'm, sa- I'm sorry if you did that. Now, uh, I'm not against, I have an honorary doctorate. And I'm, I'm praying and, and contemplating in my heart going for an earned doctorate. Uh, because I may start a ministry training center at some point. But anyway, um, so I'm not against education. But I'm against religious thinking that's not supported by Scripture. Paul said he did not want us to be ignorant about things pertaining to the spirit or spiritual gifts. Skip down with me to verse 4. It says, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which works all in all. But the manifestation, now that word means the appearing or the showing, or the shining forth of, amen, of the Spirit is given to how many? Notice these things are not just for preachers. They're not just for what we think are spiritually elite people, or God's special, special chosen ones. We're all God's special chosen ones in the body of Christ. And every member of the body of Christ has a right to the operation of the gifts of the Spirit as He wills them to operate. Not as you will, but as He wills it. And when and if you yield to the ministry of the Holy Spirit in these gifts, what's going to happen? That verse says that the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit will bring profit. They will bring profit. It's sad that pastors want to quash and quench the gifts from operating because they think it'll hurt their church growth. They think it'll offend or run off people. No, that thought is offensive. To say that the Holy Spirit shining forth among His people is offensive. To me, if the Holy Spirit is really manifesting Himself and someone gets up and leaves, they have a problem, not the Holy Ghost. Now that used to, when I first as a young pastor, I started pastoring when I was 
uh, well, uh, I started November 18th and my birthday was the next, the next birthday. So I was 28 for a week. And then 29, just a young pastor. This is the only church I've ever pastored. And, you know, sometimes we'd strike up the band. And I mean, the moment we strike up the band, you'd see a family going, oh, look at this. And they're out the door. I mean, something about the guitar scared them. I don't know what they thought was happening. Amen. I said, well, praise God. If you can't take the strumming up of the band, you sure want to get out of here before I get up. You know what I mean? And I just, it just hurt me. I just took it so personal. But now I just, I just, God bless you. Praise God. Maybe we're just not for you. I've just learned that some people are not interested. But I don't want to pastor people who aren't interested. So allowing the Holy Spirit to do His thing is a, is a filter on the church. Those that want it, stay. And those that don't, leave. And what we're left with is a congregation that wants it. Amen. Hallelujah. And that doesn't mean we're looking down on people or being critical either. And, you know, maybe they had a medical emergency. Maybe they had a text. I don't think so, but we'll, we're doing our best to walk in love. Hallelujah. What's going to happen if you let the Holy Spirit manifest Himself through you? Not loss, profit. Profit. Amen? Profit. Then He lists nine manifestations of the Spirit. We'll read them beginning in verse 8. Four to one. Now notice, not to everyone. So the manifestations in this list won't necessarily manifest in any one believer. They could. Don't disqualify yourself. But we're not promised that. Amen. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. And I call that special faith because he's not talking about the faith I read about during the offering time when he said, have the faith of God. We all have the faith of God. We are all to have the God kind of faith. This is the kind of faith, it's like uh, God takes the lid off your head, swings it back, and drops a temporary dose of His faith on you to take you out beyond where you are to believe for something totally miraculous in that moment. To receive a miracle. Now I'll teach you on that, but to give you an example, Daniel being thrown in the lion's den, the fact that he just didn't fall apart and all that, right? Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. See, they approached death fearlessly. Daniel, I mean, he just, no quaking in his boots, but you see, God threw him, you know, God didn't, but you know, they threw him down in that pit full of lions and he received a miraculous deliverance. Amen. How do you get to faith for that? It's that gift of faith kicks in. It's that gift of faith in operation. And people who have operated in that gift say, just something comes on me and I don't know what was going on, but I could not doubt if I tried. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they get thrown into a burning, fiery furnace. And they're like, we're not going to bow? I mean, see, there's just a faith that's way out there in the supernatural, yeah. right? That can approach death and destruction and be unmoved. See, people say, well, I, don't, I think I'll fall apart in that moment. Well, he could give you that gift in that moment. The Holy Ghost could just, his faith, he just dump his faith on you. And in that moment, you know, and I don't know how, how God did it. I, you know, I like Dr. Jacob's rendering. He said, there's probably an angel down in there with, in that lion's den. And he got one of those kitties up against the wall. 
said, simmer down, boys, simmer down. But you know those lions were hungry. Because the next day when they pulled him up out of there and threw those other guys that they were dead before their bodies hit the bottom of the pit. The, the lions were hungry. See, God intervened in a miraculous way. Now, did Daniel profit because of a shining forth of a gift of the Holy Ghost? Saved his life. Saved his life. Same thing with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, you ever get in a crisis moment? See, I just trust because God is good. If I get into a crisis moment, even if I've never operated in one of those gifts, if I need it, I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to work that gift through me. Amen. That's right. And there's all kinds of testimonies. Uh, the, the counterpart gift is the working of miracles. I encourage you to be here Wednesday night. Uh, Reverend Kamal Madala is going to be here, and he operates in miracles. And I've asked him to minister on miracles. You know, just within the last couple of weeks, a total stranger found... No, somehow, everybody knows Kamal. I don't know. You know, you're probably a first-time visitor, and you know who Kamal is. I mean, he just knows everybody in town. But anyway, he found out about a man who was given up by doctors in Vanderbilt to die. Uh, they were going to pull the plug, all this kind of stuff. And he, they said, would you come? And he actually had a witness that he would come and drove to Vanderbilt, laid hands on this man, and he's been home. I mean, he just came out of that. And uh, yeah, came out of that, awake, he didn't die, they, they pulled a plug and he's still alive, he's off the ventilator, and he's home, fully recovering, praise God. I'm telling you, God is a miracle working God. Hallelujah. I tell you what, Christianity is, it's a great day, it's an exciting day to be a believer. Amen. If you're not a believer, believe and be, just join in. <laughs> Amen. Just such a wonderful time. So be here Wednesday night. To another, notice it says the word of knowledge. Well, we've read these, right? Another faith. Uh, to another, the gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. I taught you about that Wednesday night. But all these works, that one in the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally or individually as he wills. Amen. With the time I have left, I want to introduce you to one of these gifts called the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge. Many of you uh, may know some things about this gift. You may have operated in this gift. You may have operated in some of these gifts and not known what you were doing. Uh, and as we teach that, you'll, you'll come along. But we've already covered in our study the utterance gifts. Uh, a classification of these gifts, and there's three of them. Gifts that say something. That's the simple gift of prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. We're now going to begin talking about the revelation gifts. These are gifts of the Spirit with the purpose of revealing something. These gifts are intended to reveal to a group of believers, to an individual believer, something God knows that that person doesn't, but God wants them to know it. Amen. And uh, so we'll give you a definition. Notice the name of the gift in the list in verse 8. It's called the, the Word of Knowledge. Now, as I teach this to you, it's important that you commit to memory, drill into yourself, the, the right name of these gifts. Do not leave here, please, and say you go to my church and call this the gift of knowledge. 
You can go to the library and partake of the gift of knowledge. You can get on Google and partake of the gift of knowledge. You understand what I mean? What is the gift called? The word of knowledge. Words matter in the Bible. Is this gift called the novel of God's knowledge? The chapter of God's knowledge? The paragraph of God's knowledge? Uh, The sentence of God's knowledge? What's it called? The word of knowledge. Now what is, grammatically speaking, go back to English class, what's a word? A word is a fragmentary part of a sentence. So what does this tell you about this spiritual gift? It's a fragmentary part of what God knows. Right? You, you might not even have to turn a page in your Bible depending on your format, but look in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and look at verse number 12. It says, For now we as Christians see through a glass how? Darkly or dimly. But then, meaning when we get to heaven face to face, now, meaning now in this life, how do we know? We know in part. But then shall I know even as I also am known. Hallelujah. So see down here, we don't know everything. We don't know everything. But God knows everything. I mean, He knows everything. Some of you, that's scary, but He does. He knows everything. He sees all. He knows all. You put a, I don't know, whatever calculus problem in front of Him, He's not even going to have to sweat. I mean, He, he knows all about everything. How is Jupiter staying up there? He knows. I don't. He does. Amen. But here's what this gift is all about. This gift is our Heavenly Father strategically sharing fragments of what He knows to help us have victory in this life. God never, ever, ever wants you to buy another lemon car. Ever, ever, ever. And He knows He's, he's been, he's, om, he's omnipresent. He was there when they were putting that car together. He was there when they had a fender bender and they've tried to cover it up. He was there when the engine blew out. He knows the quality, right? right? Come on, I'm telling you, we have all knowledge available to us in God our Father. Now, He's not going to share it all with us. You'd explode. You know, I'll be uh, transferring files sometimes on my, onto my thumb drives, and I'll get this message sometimes, files too large. You have insufficient capacity to receive this file. Can you imagine if God tried to download, I mean, one-tenth of what He knows? We'd just be b- obliterated. I don't want to, and I definitely don't want to know everything He knows about y'all. No. I de- I just, and you don't want to know either, right? Ignorance is bliss in, a few, in some situations. Hallelujah. But there is this supernatural gift. And I'm going to give you the, what, what, I give you, what I give the students in my training class, the textbook definition of this gift. So if you're writing it down, you go back and get the tape and look it up. Uh, so the word of knowledge is supernatural insight into the mind of God concerning people, places, or things having to do with the past or the present. Right? So that's what this gift is. This is God imparting 
He is making you to know something God knows that you did not know. And the only way you came into that knowledge is He made you to know. You didn't get it through the grapevine. You didn't download it on the internet. You didn't learn it at school. Now again, as you understand the gifts of the Spirit, you understand there's absolutely nothing natural about the gifts of the Spirit. So some people, and a lot of preachers, I'm sad to say, will stand up and say the word of knowledge is uh, the smart people at school. That God has gifted them with a supernatural gift to be able to, to retain facts and to pass tests. They are the rocket scientists. They are the whiz kids. They have got the gift of knowledge. They're, they're wrong. They're, any preacher book resource that pulls out the supernatural to try to define these gifts are wrong. This has absolutely nothing to do with your IQ, your ability to remember facts, uh, how you do on tests, uh, how you do in your academic life. has nothing to do with that whatsoever. Now, those natural abilities, no doubt, are gifts and blessings from God too. But we're talking about gifts of the Spirit. Are you with me? Go over to 2 Kings. And I want to I read to you one of my favorite examples in the Old Testament of the word of knowledge in operation. <laughs> now, how many of you got kids at home? Raise your hand if you got kids at home. Uh, teenagers at home. Okay, mom and dad, you need to believe God for the word of knowledge to operate. You need to so scare little Sally. You need to be so spiritual, so in tune with God, they can't get away with anything. Did you know God will tell off on you? Sometimes to save your bacon. Amen. But you know, the word of knowledge is a very helpful gift when it comes to pastoring. You know, God will make me to know things I, I couldn't know. I had this situation a couple weeks ago. I don't want to get into the details of it because people are present. You know, but he made me to know something about the attitude, mind, heart, feelings of, a, of one of my congregation members, not to hurt them, but to help them. I didn't, I didn't know that this person was dealing with whatever. I'm not going to get into it uh, because someone told me. I didn't hear anything through the grapevine. It's not it wasn't a natural. I put two I took, put two cents together. God made me to know it, not to hurt them, but to help them. Yeah. Amen. Amen. But you know, God, I, I trust that the word of knowledge will be a gift that, that operates in my ministry. That if, if, if someone's at Starbucks planning a church split, you better watch it. I, I pray in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. Just, just to warn you a little bit. Praise God. If you want to leave, leave by yourself. You might live. You might. Hallelujah. All right. So here we have an, uh, a, a documented account uh, in the uh, life and history of the nation of Israel. The prophet, the leading prophet at that time was uh, Elisha. And uh, there was a king, I think the king of Syria... 
Let's look at this at verse 8. And he had decided he was going to launch a war. He was going to launch an attack. 2 Kings chapter 6, sorry, verse number 8. Somebody say, hey, pastor, what chapter? 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8. Shout hallelujah when you find it. Okay. And uh, so this king of Israel has got his counselors in a private room and talking about war plans. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God, referring to Elisha, sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you pass not such a place. For thither or there the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of and saved himself there. Not once or twice did this happen. Right? Do you see there's a pattern going on here? Verse 11. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? Now what's he thinking? We've got us a mole. We got us a traitor in our midst. And so he calls a meeting. And you know, the king, he didn't have to pass a bill through Congress. He just lopped your head off. Kill him. That's all you got to do. And, you know, and that's it. And so he calls, he says, which one of you is telling off on us? And one of them speaks up. And look at verse 12. It says, and one of his servants said, none, my Lord. No, none of us. O king. But Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel... He tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedchamber. And listen, this is, there's no Apple cell phone. There's no remote microphone. There's no Arlo spy camera. There's no bug. How did Elisha know? The Holy Ghost, who's in that room, he's everywhere. Here's the king, the enemy of Israel, and he just simply tells Elisha, don't go here, avoid this location. See, it's supernatural insight into the mind of God about people, places, or things dealing with the present or the past. The gift that deals with the future is the word of wisdom. The word wise or wisdom means to see, talking about future. Y'all with me? Is stirring your appetite here? And so the king of, uh, uh, you know, this guy gets defeated. His plans are undone. God's people gain the victory because of a supernatural gift called the word of knowledge. Flip back to the fifth chapter and we'll see another way that this gift operated back in the Old Testament and still operates this way today. Do you remember Naaman the Syrian? He had leprosy, and uh, his uh, little maidservant was a Hebrew girl slave. And she told the mother of the house, Naaman's wife, Oh, that Naaman, my lord, my boss, you know, my master, would go unto Israel, for there's a prophet there that would cleanse him of his leprosy. And so Naaman hears about it and loads up some offerings and gifts and an entourage and heads off. 
And you know the story, right? Elisha sends his servant Gehazi down there and says, go dip in the Jordan seven times. And of course, the guy's all proud because he thought he was going to have a lot of pomp and circumstance because he's a big shot. And Elisha didn't even come downstairs. You know, the gifts of the Spirit is not about all having fanfare. It's just about getting a job done. And he just said, Send, just go out there, Gehazi, and tell him, go dip seven times in the Jordan River and he'll be healed. Well, he bucked up at that, but... He, you know the story. He eventually did it. And then he came to present an offering of thanks and gratitude. And Elisha said, no, no, now it's not the time. You know, in the power of God's in operation, that's not the time to be talking about money. People have died in revivals of the past because they got the gifts of the Spirit moving and stopped to take an offering. And, and, and God had to judge them because that's not right. We don't use the gifts of the Spirit to get money out of people's pockets. That's prostituting the power of God, and we don't do that. Amen. But you remember what Gehazi did later? Elisha goes on about his business, and Gehazi goes, he concocts himself a little scheme. And he decides he's going to run after Naaman. And so he runs after Naaman. And uh, praise God. Uh, And he talked Naaman out. He lied, told him that Elisha, his master, had changed his mind. And out of gratitude, Naaman, he just, he, in verse 23, says, Take two talents. And he urged him, and he bound two talents of silver and two bags, two changes of garments, laid them upon two of his servants, and they bear them before them. And then when he, Gehazi, came back to the tower, he took them from their hand and bestowed them in the, he, he hid them in the house. You know, you don't have to hide if you're doing right. You don't have to hide stuff if you're doing right. And he departed and let the men go. And he went in and stood before his master. Look at this verse. And Elisha said unto him, Whence comest thou, Gehazi? I tell you, when your man of God asks you a question, you better give the right answer. Don't, amen. Basically, the Cody translation would say, Hey, Gehazi, where you been? Can you see mamas? Little Johnny comes in. Hey, little Johnny, where you been? You know already. (laughs) Where you been? And he said, thy servant went nowhere. Lie. And notice verse 26. And he said unto him, went not or did not my heart or my spirit go with you when you turned again? In other words, I didn't go, but I went. I stayed here, but I went with you in the spirit. God gave him supernatural insight into the mind of people, places, and things concerning things present or past. Notice here the word of knowledge is being used not to defeat the plans of an enemy, but this time to uncover corruption and sin. This gift operated in the New Testament. My wife was preaching about Ananias and Sapphira not long ago. And Ananias came in and Peter said... Did you sell the land for so much, for X amount? He goes, yes, I did. Right? But that was a secret between he and his wife. And yet Peter knew it. How did he know it? The Holy Ghost told him. He dropped dead because he lied to the Holy Ghost. Then a few hours later, his wife comes in not knowing what had happened. And Peter asked her the same question. Did you sell the land for so much? She goes, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure did. She goes, the feet of them that have carried your husband out and buried him are here. 
They're here to carry you out. Bam, she drops dead. How did Peter know? How did he know? By the Holy Ghost. Y'all with me okay? We're coming to the end. Uh, There was a man named, a minister named William Branham. Any of you ever heard of him? He was one of the leading ministers during the healing wave, the healing revival. God raised up uh, men and women during the 1940s and 1950s. And there was a revival of divine healing going on in America. And one of the leading ministers was a prophet named William Branham. And he operated in such supernatural proficiency in the word of knowledge, this gift. I have a video, it's real short, uh, of him in a tent crusade operating in this gift, the word of knowledge. And I thought it might bless you uh, to observe that and see that. Divided attention. Be in prayer. Deep faith in God. Now, I believe this is the lady who is supposed to come near, sister. Of course, that won't hurt you now. That, that's just his presence that you're conscious of. And I. An audience, a
Hallelujah. Let the lights get turned up. And I know what you're thinking, right? NCIS, right? And there have been scandals, I'm sad to tell you, you know, where that kind of thing was going on. But there was never even an accusation, William Brandon's ministry, about that that I ever heard of. And uh, we've seen it. We've been to their ministry headquarters in Louisville. And his kids and grandkids still uh, conduct the ministry today. In fact, they have ministry materials in almost every country in the world still today. And, uh, but they have uh, behind glass envelopes of prayer requests. And when those prayer requests came in, he didn't unseal the envelope. He didn't need to to find out what they wanted him to pray about. And so he would sit in his chair and the word of knowledge would operate. And they would know what the condition was, what the prayer request was. And he would write their answer in what he prayed on the outside of the unsealed envelope and then have his staff mail it back to him as a sign and a wonder to them. Yeah. Praise God. These things are exciting. Uh, And they do very often work in conjunction with uh, the healing ministry many times. Amen. Well, we just got to land the airplane. I'm going to minister to the sick today before we go home. So just very quickly, uh, you want to write these references down, you can. Uh, Mary, pregnant Mary, walked up to her cousin Elizabeth, and she knew that Elizabeth was pregnant. Not because she got a letter or a text message or a card in the mail or an email, nothing like that, but the Holy Ghost told her. When when Mary walked in, she's pregnant. Uh, Elizabeth didn't know that Mary was pregnant, but the moment she walked in... The word of knowledge kicked in and she prophesied about the baby that was in her womb. Jesus saw Nicodemus under a tree. Before he had ever met him, he told him his location and where he was (laughs) and what he was doing. Praise God. When he got to the woman in the well, with the woman at the well in John chapter 4, she was petitioning him for insight and spiritual blessing and... uh, he read her mail and said, well, bring, bring your husband to me. Bring your husband to me. And she goes, I have no husband. And Jesus said, no, you're right. You don't have a, a husband, but you've had four husbands. You've had four husbands, and the one you're now with is not your husband. She said, oh, I perceive you're a prophet. How did Jesus know that? Because he's Jesus. No, he emptied himself. He limited himself. He got that knowledge in that moment by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. You remember God told Ananias in Acts chapter 9, I want you to go uh, and go to Tarsus, told him the city. Go uh, to a man named Simon the Tanner, told him the name and what he did for a living. And told him, go to the street called Straight. That's where the house is. Knock on the door and inquire for a man named Saul. I want you to go in and lay your hand on him. Pray for him that he should receive his sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. How did he know that? That's GPS. That is better than Google Maps. Right? While Peter falls into a trance on the top of a house. He's getting ready to come down for lunch and, go, and the word of knowledge kicks in. Says there's three men at the door, knocking at the door right now. They're looking for you. You go with them. Don't ask any questions. How do you know that? He walked downstairs. You know, there's three guys. He goes, I know. Because of the word of knowledge that kicked in. Praise God. You know, John on the island of Patmos in Revelation uh, chapters 2 and 3, John is uh, a... a uh, 
what do you call it? He's banished to the island of Patmos. How's he know? But he has a vision and he knows about the exact spiritual condition of seven literal churches in Asia Minor and writes them, here's what you've been doing good. Here's what you've been doing bad. Here's what the Lord says. If you don't repent and get this turned around, it's going to be big trouble. <laughs> How did he know that? The Holy Spirit made him and helped him to know that. Listen, as we close today, every single one of you are a candidate for this gift to operate as the Spirit wills. It's not psychic power. It's not being clairvoyant. Right? You ought to stay away from all that demonic stuff. Horoscopes. The lady on Lone Oak, the Teresa psychic lady. Palm reading. Tarot cards. Dungeons and Dragons. Come on, those are demonic dark powers. The fallen powers of this world. You don't need to go that way. God's got the real thing. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Did you get something out of that little teaching? And we, There's so much you could say about the word of knowledge. I remember one time I was just worshiping God during the Sunday morning service at Jackson Street. And all of a sudden, the Lord helped me to know there's a visitor here for the very first time. She's going through a horrific divorce. She's not told a soul. She's being crushed under the weight of it. I want you to minister to her. Well, I got up and uh, I said, uh, I said, there's a woman here. You're going through a. And that's all it took. And this first time visitor, precious uh, black lady on this side, back over at Jackson Street, she fell over in the floor. Now, she didn't fall under the power of God. She fell under the weight the weight of what she'd been going through. And God didn't do that to call her out, but see, that's nobody knew it. Nobody knew it. And then certainly nobody in the church, I certainly didn't know it. But we were able, God was able to minister. Praise God to her. It's a wonderful, wonderful gift. Amen. And it has many, many uses and many, many purposes. Praise God.